0: When we say that God is infinite, is that the same thing as saying that He's eternal? We're going to talk about that today and more on BibleStudyPodcast.org dot starting now. dollars was. and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, December 10th of 2008 and as always I'm your host Toby Logsdon and welcome to our next lesson in our Knowing God series in which we're studying the attributes of God one at a time looking at both the scriptural evidence for these attributes and the logical evidence for these attributes, and trying to get a better understanding of who God is. And so anyway, welcome to you guys. I'm so glad to have you here with us, especially those of you who are here with us for the first time. Uh, If this is your first time listening, I would suggest that you go back and uh, listen to all of our lessons in this series, since we have established some terms along the way, which you might not understand, like aseity. Most people don't know what aseity is, and so it might be necessary for you to go back and listen to more of the lessons in order that you can kind of get a better idea of what we're talking about here because some of these terms can be a little bit confusing, but welcome. We are glad to have you here with us. Anyway, I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. It's about 25 degrees here in northwest Arkansas. We were supposed to get some snow today or uh, last night, but apparently it went around us, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, You know, I like snow and everything, but I don't know, I've been a little bit under the weather this week, so I was hoping for no snow, so that I just would be able to hopefully get over this uh, little bit bit of a cold that I've got right now. Uh, I'm hoping to get over it by this weekend, because this weekend we're actually going down to little Rock, uh, you guys know i I'm, I'm planning a church uh, in conjunction with Mosaic Church of central Arkansas, and so we uh, we're going down to Little Rock this week to attend Mosaic Church of Central Arkansas for the first time and uh, to meet with some of the elders and to discuss our strategy for planning the church a little bit more and uh, man we're excited I'm excited to get down there and uh, to participate in one of their worship services so Anyway, just one quick note, I just want to thank those of you who uh, have faithfully been supporting our ministry here. Again, you know, I'm, I'm trying to raise support for uh, not only this ministry that we've got here with the podcast, but also for my church planting. Um, and so uh, for those of you who have stepped up and started supporting us, thank you so much. It is just such a, such a blessing to have your support. But anyway, let's go ahead and get started with today's lesson with a word of prayer. Father God, we just come to you today and we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that, uh, that your nature is revealed in your word and in, uh, and in nature. And so, Lord, we just ask that today we'll come to a better understanding of what it means for you to be infinite. We love you, Lord, and we give you this time in order that you would be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the things that we've uh that we sort of presupposed I guess you could say throughout this study on God's attributes i mean from the very beginning is the fact that God is infinite. If you'll remember uh in our introductory lesson, we determined that we have to speak about God in an analogical sense because it's logically impossible for finite concepts and finite ideas, uh, which are coming from finite beings, which is what we are, Uh, anyway, for all these finite things to describe or to speak in regards to an infinite God. Now, let's not just blindly assume that God is infinite, though. Like everything else pertaining to God and our faith, you know, I think it's important for us to substantiate our understanding of god being infinite with both scripture and logic and to uh, and to examine what church leaders throughout history have said in regards to whether or not god is infinite but first as always you know let's go ahead and establish a working definition of what we mean when we say that god is infinite Now, if you look in the dictionary, say the the Random House Unabridged Dictionary, that's the one I've got, you'll find that infinite is defined as, quote, immeasurably great. The second definition is indefinitely or exceedingly great, unlimited or unmeasurable in extent of space, duration of time, etc., unbounded or unlimited, boundless, endless. And then, if you look in the uh, in the American Heritage Dictionary, it also has uh, a mathematical definition in addition to uh, the the regular definition that I just gave you. Uh, and the the mathematical definition goes something like this: the term infinite is defined as quote existing beyond or being greater than any arbitrarily large value end quote. That's a little bit more uh, more complicated, but that's the mathematical definition of infinite. So, which definition do we use when we're speaking? about God. Well, we don't use the mathematical definition, which is actually a pretty common mistake. And we'll we'll see that here in just a few moments when we address some of the objections to God's infinity. But, you know, we reject the mathematical definition because we don't believe that God is infinite in his size necessarily, because uh, something with size has parts or or has a body or has a physical mass. Uh, If God were infinite in his size, then everything we see would be a part of God. Well, we believe that God is non-spatial. That is, he doesn't occupy material space or physical space. So we don't believe that he's infinite in his physical or material size per se. And further, we don't believe that God exists in an infinite Uh, duration or sequence of moments. Rather, we recognize that God exists in eternity, outside of time, in one eternal moment. So we don't apply the mathematical definition to our understanding of God. Instead, when we say that God is infinite, we mean that he is limitless in his being. He is unbounded in his being, and that he cannot be added to or taken away from in his being and i personally like that the that first definition immeasurably great man is that god or what but the implication there is that he's so great that his greatness is just you know something that we can't even fathom we can't even imagine and you know we obviously can't measure that just has kind of a, a sound of awe to it, doesn't it? But you know, obviously, infinite and eternal are not the same things, contrary to what might be you know, considered public opinion. But remember, an eternal being is a being who is outside of the dimension of time, and one day we will enter into eternity. But that doesn't mean that we will be unlimited or unbounded in our being. And I just want to make sure that we understand the distinction between that which is eternal and that which is infinite, which happens to be a distinction that many people uh, seem to be somewhat unaware of. But anyway, you know, some of my uh, favorite verses and, and passages in the Bible are those which speak of God's infinite being. In Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 24 we read, "O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand, for what god is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours?" In second Chronicles chapter two verse five we read And the house that I build is great for great is our God above all gods, but who is able to build him a house, seeing that the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? And then in Job chapter eleven verses seven through nine we read Can you discover the depths of God? No. Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? No, I mean, those are the implied answers there. They are high as the heavens. What can you do deeper than Sheol? What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. And then in Psalm chapter uh, 145 verse 3, we read, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is is unsearchable. And then in verse 6 of uh, of that same psalm, uh, Psalm 145, we read, Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. And then in Psalm chapter uh, 147, verse 5, uh, we read where the psalmist proclaims, Great is our Lord, and mighty in his power. His understanding has no limit. And then in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, moving to the New Testament here, Paul writes, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. So, no question about it, the Bible teaches that God is infinite in his being. And for those who argue that Christianity is derived from Greek mythology, you know, I think it's worth noting that the false gods of the greek philosophers were finite in their being but from the very earliest fathers of the church we find the consensus that god the god of the bible is infinite which obliterates the notion that the god of the bible is actually you know somehow derived from or evolved out of the false gods of the greek philosophers according to irenaeus one of the earliest christian philosophers he wrote man is infinitely inferior to god and is not equal or similar To his maker. Thomas Aquinas wrote that it is against the nature of a made thing to be absolutely infinite. Of course, we are made things, so we can't be infinite. The being of God is self subsisting, not received in any other, and is thus called infinite. Martin Luther wrote that God is an inexpressible being above and beyond everything that may be said or thought. John Calvin noted that the nature of God in himself is infinite. So clearly, the Christian thinkers and leaders throughout history have declared the infinite nature of God. They've affirmed the infinite nature of God. So we can also examine God's other attributes and conclude that he must be infinite in his being. So let's look at some of the attributes that we've already studied in this series. First of all, because God is pure actuality, he must be infinite in his being, since there's no potential for a being who is pure actuality. That is, it's impossible for God to potentially be greater or lesser than he is. So, consider this illustration. The amount of air that a balloon can potentially hold is limited by the size of the balloon. So, thus, there is a limit to the potential of the balloon. But since God has no potential, there is no limit. To his being, uh, that God is infinite in His being is also logically necessitated by God's aseity, the fact that God is self-existent. If something is brought uh, from non-being into being, or or is caused, uh, it must have had some potential that became actual in the process of being caused, and so therefore. Everything that is caused is limited in its being since there is potential for all material things to not be. Since God has no beginning and is the uncaused cause which brought about all contingent things into being, he cannot have a limit to his being and this is a little bit tricky philosophically i realize but you know if you go through this maybe a few times hopefully it'll make a little bit of sense if it uh, if it didn't make sense the first time and finally because god is simple he must be infinite in his being as a simple being god has no parts he has no dimensional aspects to his being and because god has no parts what he has is what he is his nature is therefore identical with his being, since God has being, He is being in an unlimited way, and just like God's other attributes which we've studied, you know, there's there's no uh, surprise that there are a few objections to God's infinite nature, which are worthy of being addressed. First of all, one of the arguments that I've received in my own ministry uh, in apologetics is that if God is infinite and thus unlimited, then He is limited by His unlimited nature. Does that make sense? In other words, if God were truly unlimited, he would be able to be both limited and unlimited at the same time. And in response, while it's true that we reject the idea that God can be limited in any way, shape, or form, we also reject the idea that God is capable of defying logic. Uh, If he were capable of defying logic, then he could claim to both be and to not be, or to love and not love. And obviously such ideas are just nonsense, but this also doesn't mean that we believe that God is limited by the rules of logic. Rather, the rules of logic flow necessarily from God's nature, and thus is a reflection, and thus uh, the the rules of logic are a reflection of his nature. So since God is pure actuality, uh, it's, it's impossible for God to be something other than that which he already is. And further, uh, you know, this argument actually involves an equivocation, the fallacy of equivocation, since when we say that God is infinite or unlimited, we mean that he is infinite in his being and in his nature, not in his ability. In terms of God's ability, uh, God is able to do all things which are logically possible, but he cannot do what is logically impossible, such as make a, a four-sided sphere. Uh, it's logically impossible for God to be other than that which he is. God is truth, and thus the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, that it's impossible for God to lie. God is unchanging, and so the Bible teaches us in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, for example, that it's impossible for God to change. So this objection Uh, really doesn't hold any weight at all. In fact, it's kind of just a game of semantics uh, and it really relies on some illogical uh, premises and a, a very bad misunderstanding of God's nature. Now, a second objection to the infinite being of God is that if God is infinite, then there wouldn't be room for anything else to exist because it's impossible to add to that which is infinite. Uh, for example, say you had an infinite number of, uh, of anything, uh, cars or, or marbles, they would consume all the space uh, in, in the physical world. Yet the person who makes this objection does exist, and so thus there's space for this person to exist, and thus God cannot be infinite. That's how the argument goes. And in response, this argument appeals to the mathematical definition of what infinity is not the metaphysical definition which we apply to God's nature and being and further uh, this argument really just overlooks the fact that we're different from God and that he is non-spatial while we as human beings are spatial he is spirit we are flesh and spirit so Anyway, that objection doesn't work either. And a final objection uh, that we'll address here today is that because God is what he has and because God is love, if God were infinite love, then he couldn't also have an infinite wrath against sin since love and wrath are contradicting emotions. And in response, we do believe that God is infinite in both his love for what is good and his wrath against that which is not good, namely sin, but in no way does the fact that God has more than one emotion logically lead to the conclusion that his emotions are less than infinite, since we don't measure emotions by their size or by their duration. And further, again, this would appeal to the mathematical definition of the word infinite, and uh, thus this argument really requires that the objector equivocate on the definition of the word. And it also presupposes that God has parts, that part of him loves what is good and part of him uh, has wrath against sin. That's simply not the case. God doesn't have parts. So again, this objection to God's infinite being, infinite nature uh, also falls short and, uh, and just doesn't add up, doesn't work. So there are many groups cults, and, and religions out there which deny the infinite nature of God's being. Uh, and in closing, let's, let's go ahead and talk about some of those. Uh, in the previous lessons, we've talked about Mormons and how they've denied basically every single one of God's attributes that we've talked about up until now. And, uh, you know, they worship a false god who was once a man and who was exalted because he lived a good human life. But their god, their false god, is by no means Unlimited in his being, rather the false god of Mormonism has a physical body and is therefore limited by the dimensions of time and space. Uh, Neotheists, another group that we've talked about, also called process theologians, uh, they also deny the infinite nature of God, since they deny that God is unchanging. Rather, those who uh, who hold or or who ascribe to process theology, believe that God is in a constant state of change in terms of his knowledge. And if that's the case, then God didn't have infinite knowledge to begin with. And if he doesn't have infinite knowledge, then God's knowledge is finite. And if God's knowledge is finite, then his being is finite. Uh, but God is simple, and thus he can't have part of him which is infinite and part of him which is finite. So anyway, hopefully this uh, this gives you guys a little bit of a better understanding as to what we mean when we say that God is infinite. And I realize that this is a little bit of a short lesson, but uh, it's just the length where, you know, we can't talk about... Uh, really another attribute. There's not enough time to talk about another one of God's attributes. But I think we've discussed this one uh, pretty much in its entirety and and pretty thoroughly. But as always, if you guys have any questions, you can email me. My email address is cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com I'd be happy to try to clarify any any misunderstandings you have or any confusion that you guys might have uh, regarding God's infinite being and infinite nature. So anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. And again, Please keep uh, me and my daughter in your prayers as we get over this uh, little bit of a head cold that we've got. Uh, I greatly appreciate all your prayers. But anyway, thank you guys for listening today. I'll see you next time on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus.